you've tuned into QOL, and as you know, QOL is all about quality of life. I must tell you, I, I have come across a master of quality of life. I, I've known him for years. I've interviewed him before. He's been a guest here. Sean Sewell is, well, he's a master of a lot of things, but I keep thinking of him in not just behind a bar, in front of the bar, because he instructs, he educates, he does so much more than just make a great cocktail. Although you make great cocktails too, Sean. <laughs> Sean, welcome to QOL. Thank you very much. You always love sitting down, Chuck. It's been a bit too long. <laughs> it has. This is Hugh Cruzel, and as you know, typically I broadcast on CKLU ninety six point seven on your FM dial. You can listen to podcasts as well. Sean, you're also a master of podcasts. I mean, there are so many things that you've taught us how to do well and how to perhaps negotiate some of the challenges we're facing right now in the hospitality world. And, you know, we don't want to say that C word or the P word, but we, I know we're going to touch on it at some point. Now, I wanted, I reached out to you because you've done another book. I have written my third book and I was in the process of writing my fourth one. The fourth one's a little bit more bartender centric. So the publisher and I sort of took a step back and were like, you know what, let's do this for next year and let's push it till, to next year. So I am I am releasing two books in a space of 12 months. You know what? You're going to be like Agatha Christie. She used to write a book a year. Yeah, I think she has dedicated her life to writing books, though, and I've got other stuff that I have to do as well. <laughs> well, I know this is radio, and everybody can see what's in behind you. But, of course, they can't. Uh, Sean, you actually have a collection of craft product that, I mean, it's a... It's, astounding what you've got behind you. Can you have a quick description? Because this ties into your book, doesn't it? Yes. So my third book is called BC Spirits Cocktail Book. It is all about the craft distilling movement here in BC. We've got e-distilleries, almost e-distilleries now in the province, which is quite a substantial amount of distilleries making quite a substantial amount of products. Like there's distilleries that make one product and there's distilleries that make 30 products. Mm -hmm. And so I've been lucky enough that I have a lot of them. And so I do a daily show uh, for BC Spirits on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and stuff. Um, Taste and Spirits, I started this during COVID because I was kind of bored. So I started it at the, the start of COVID, which is why I'm at 315 shows. You can see how many episodes. I've never Spirit known you to be bored, Sean. You are a busy boy. I had more time on my hands. I wasn't traveling. I wasn't doing a lot of stuff. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's do this. And then I was like, you know, what? I really want to write a book. And I started writing that in probably March last year as well. And it just went to the layout, layout and design stage now. So I'm self-publishing this one, which has been an interesting experience. So mm. I'm self-publishing this one instead of going through a publisher, mainly because I wanted to, I wanted to be out of control every year, being up, to, up being up, able to update it. Oh, you're because, thinking of doing, you're thinking of doing like editions, uh, 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 second edition. Yeah. You're, you're, you're doing like the, the, the whiskey bible. That's kind of where my head was at with it, was like, let's continue to update and build. And I didn't get all the distilleries on board that I want. I think I got 67 out of the 75 we have. Um, but I kind of want to build it every year. And so I was like, if I do that for a publisher, publishers ask for books to be sold, so on and so forth. If you self-publish, yes, it's a little bit more expensive. It takes a little bit more work. Um, but at the end of the day, having that control to do something every single year was more important to me. Um, for the distillery so that every year the distilleries know, oh, I'm going to be in the book this year. Right. And that's another round of volume two or volume three and so on. And, so but it's, you're absolutely right. You do need to do, uh, think of it. Sean, you arrived in, in Canada and in British Columbia in what year? 2006. 2006. Well, I can go back a little bit further uh, with British Columbia. There was Maple Leaf Spirits. 
Mm-hmm. And and we're talking like they were one of about maybe five or six, and then along came you know Victoria Distillery mm-hmm. and uh, and but it's been a rapid rise. Yeah, it was a big trickle, and then the rules changed. The rules changed around about the ten year ago mark, and all of a sudden overnight. As soon as those crafts distilling licenses came available, the government put some uh, backing behind it, agricultural products, that sort of stuff. All of a sudden, it really lit up. And on a yearly basis, we were seeing two, three, four, and then it got to six, seven, eight, and then it got to 10 a year, leading up to this last 10 years. And so it definitely has exploded. The great thing is, is that there's some great distilleries out there producing some fantastic products. I think even Shelter Point. I remember doing a tour there. I'm going to say 12 years ago when they had just yeah. poured their stamped floor with maple leaves all over it. And I had an yeah. hour-long tour with them. Shelter Point, some of their stuff that has now been casked for 10 years. Yeah, is... they've got some 10s and 12s in the, in the yes. recast right now. So I've got a bottle of the oldest single malt they've ever released. I think it's the oldest single malt that's ever been released in BC, which is an 8-year-old single malt which is it's hard to imagine that we're getting to the stage now where we have whiskey that is eight nine ten years old in in the province in your in the province definitely but in ontario i'm thinking about Stillwaters. uh Mm -hmm. they 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 had listen when i went to visit them they had some barrels that were already 10 or 12 years old and that would be 10 years that's they must have 20 year olds and and that's things you got 40 creek like 40 creek is a big brand now But Ontario, Grimsby, they, they were really one of the first craft guys. Because before then, there wasn't really a massive craft movement. You had like your Wises and your, your JP Wises and your Canadian clubs and your Crowns and stuff. But they really were one of the biggest, like the first like like craft distilleries that really kicked it off on the East Coast. And then it just spread across. And now BC has, I think, more distilleries than the rest of the country. That's true. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't take off in Quebec stronger. Sortilege did. I, I, of course, uh, can go way back to Glen Breton if we Mm -hmm. want to go back to that. That's 32 years ago, maybe, 34? It has been a, a remarkable ride. Those who get into this game early sometimes can be real winners, but sometimes being trail, trailblazers can be a really tough thing. To, oh, because <laughs> you're lobbying. You're doing yeah. everything to make I it think, work. I think Quebec's going to get there. I think the, the whole, because it's such a small province and the hold of the SAQ being very similar to the LCBO, it doesn't give a lot of options for a small distillery to get representation it we're lucky enough in bc we have private liquor stores that want to support craft distilleries and we have that on the east coast lcbo is a true monopoly and they only you don't you don't have private liquor stores the saq is the same in the way that there is no private liquor store so it's very difficult for someone in quebec to go hey i'm going to create a craft spirit but who, where am I going to sell it? Out of my tasting room? That's a huge expense it's to very. just sell out of my tasting room. I think that they're going to get there. They're going to get there. I've tasted some fantastic little crazy numbers out of out of Quebec. I've got some crazy gins and stuff like that out of out of Quebec that is just insane, like crazy uh, Quebecois herbs and spices and fruits and stuff infused in a gin. Really, really weird. Def- well, and of course, we could include Angava and, and such mm-hmm. because, uh, I mean, cloud is it cloudberries in one of them? Oh. Yeah, they've got cloudberries in some other random Cro- thing that makes it that yellow color. Yes, uh, um, crowberries. I, I can't remember. Uh, there are, I mean, 
I'm sure I'm going to see something with Labrador tea someday because that's everywhere. And actually, uh, you know what? Chick chock, chick, rum, chick chock, spiced has rum, Labrador tea in it, I believe. Does it? Ooh, that's a spiced rum for Quebec. It is. It is. And I believe that it has Labrador tea in it as a spice. I've used it as a deglaze quite often. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Well, if you do uh, really nice pork chops uh, that you you uh, you could pan finish them i suppose that's and, great oh yeah yeah some cra- fresh cracked pepper and and uh, and uh, chick chock is just oh and then throw some cream onto that if you really want to really make it crazy. i say chick chock pork chop five times fast <laughs> <laughs> okay we have to ask about this book is it available everywhere can we buy it on amazon It'll be launching in May, and it will be available pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, by then some of the, the the pullback will be restriction will be lifted a little bit, so that I can actually visit distilleries and do a bit of a road trip through the Okanagan, which would be absolutely glorious. In the middle of summer, to do a road trip book tour through the Okanagan with my family, signing books and dropping books off at distilleries, I can't think of anything better. So I'm hoping vaccination and restrictions willing that uh, we'll be launching in may and ready to rock and roll and completely out what about what about previous books can people find you i mean oh yes yeah easy enough right yeah great great northern cocktails that came out in september 2019 i think we talked early 2019 no we yeah we did because we talked in like march 2019 because it was before singapore it was before everything in that last part of the year which was incredible insane that i finished writing a book, did five months in Singapore, opened three venues, launched a book in Singapore. The book actually got launched in Singapore before it got launched in Canada. So I actually did a book signing one of my very last nights in Singapore at one of my bars that I helped open before I came back to Canada. And then I did a quick book tour of Victoria, Vancouver, Kelowna, Calgary, Edmonton, and then the restrictions hit. And that was the that was the end of that book tour. So, Great Northern Cocktails was a, a huge passion project, and I really really loved that book. Um, it's my it's my love letter to bartenders in Canada. And the next edition, which will be next year's book, is the second edition of Great Northern Cocktails, where I'm seeing I'm probably going to have another seventy five bartenders in the book, which will take total to almost two hundred and twenty wow. bartenders with cocktails and their stories and everything else. And I think the stories are going to be even more fantastic than the first time around because of everything we've gone through this year. I'm really looking forward to like digging into that in the next month or two. I'm just, I've, a third of the way done. Now I've got to sort of start over again and go through it again and kick it off again. And uh, so, so much to learn, so much to know, so much to juggle. Yeah. So what about first book? What was the first one? The very first book was Cocktail Culture. And if you can find a copy of Cocktail Culture. I don't think you can. It's... That, that was 2013. So if you can still find a copy of Cocktail Culture kicking around, I saw one on Amazon recently recently for $220 because it was signed by both Nate and I, and someone had it on Amazon for $220 for some god-awful reason. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of want it because, to be honest, I actually do not have a copy of my first book in my collection. Wow. Because I tend to buy, find them, buy them, and then give them away. Right. It's a horrible, bad habit of mine that... I've bought a number of copies over the years and they always end up like a guest is at the bar. They really want to know more about Victoria. I give them a copy of the book. I sign it and away it goes. And I'm gone. I just found that at that one uh. store down the road. <laughs> so every now and then I pop into Russell's books here in Victoria, which you know well, and, and I check the cook section. 
and there it is. 20 bucks and I go pick up a copy, I bring it home or I take it to Clive's or whatever bar I'm at at the time. It's gone within a couple of weeks, always. It's never, ever stays very long. Uh, I lent mine to somebody. I wish I could remember who it was. I must tell you, uh, the other day I had a Vesper. The use of Lillet Blanc in, in, in a cocktail really... I can't believe the dimensions that it gives to flavor. And, of course, you know, we have to put a nod to, give a nod to James Bond in uh, in Casino Royale, I believe. Royale. Yeah. <laughs> I had my... Although, although James Bond started drinking Americanos before he drank the Vespa. Ah, yes. Well, I, I had mine on crushed ice. I don't know if you... Oh. I don't know if you'd do that, but it was refreshing. It was perfect. And a buddy of mine was having a... Well, we share a birthday. Normally we go out for, for dinner together, but this time we didn't. And I arranged for a Vesper to be delivered to his table. Uh, Lovely. And it was the last night that most restaurants were open here uh, here in northern Ontario. Well, much of Ontario. It's unfortunate. Anyways, the Vespers are wonderful. If you were going to make a cocktail tonight, what would you be making? Always a Negroni. Negroni always. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Negroni. It's... Uh, I don't make cocktails at home very often. It's not really my thing. Even though I have this massive bar that you can see behind me with a full like setup and I do videos and stuff here, I don't usually drink cocktails at home. It's changed a little bit over the years because back in the day when I was working in the bar five nights a week, you know, Clive's is popping, Little Jumbo, whether it be Cafe Mexico, some any place that I've run in the last like 10 years, um, and you'd be banging out like two, three, four hundred cocktails in a night. The last thing you want to do is come home and make a cocktail for yourself. No. Like you just want to pour yourself a whiskey, crack yourself a well, beer. That's it, well. It's in your glass right now. Tell us. This is this is the Shelter Point uh, Ripple Rock, which is actually quite delicious. It is a heavy alligator, heavy alligator char, virgin oak, forty six percent, forty seven percent. So that heavy that heavy char on the oak, caramel, especially virgin oak, caramelizes all those sugars. Lots of vanilla, that sort of thing. So, but if I'm at home and I'm making a cocktail, it's a gimlet for the for my lovely wife and a, um, a Negroni because a Negroni and a gimlet are two simple proportion cocktails that you can extrapolate. So if you want to, it's like not one ounce, one ounce, one ounce. It's two ounce, two ounce, two ounce. You stir it with your finger, you go sit upstairs and you watch a movie and you never have to come back down to the bar again. So that's usually my train of thought is like, I'm a, I'm a lazy bartender at home. I'm not making syrups. I'm not making shaking things. It is... Pour on the rocks, stir with your finger, go upstairs. Wonderful. Uh, so let's talk about glasses just for a minute. I, I think I saw a big, heavy crystal glass there with what you... I have, I, have, I have a couple. So these were actually fantastic. These were gifted to me by... Um, is that Waterford? Uh, this is uh, Riedel. This is their new Riedel, line okay. of... So Riedel just put out a fantastic bartender line. They're inexpensive. They're still crystal. They're fantastically made. But it's um, a typical cross and olive... Yeah. Yes. And these and and for for the bar operators out there listening to the show, like these are five fifty a unit, which is not much more expensive than cheaper. Or, yeah. Exactly. So um, when they came to me with these restaurant series, I'm like, oh man, I need to have those, and they've actually become a sponsor of the a few things that I'm doing. So I'm I'm in love with Riedel in a big way. You can you can't really go wrong with the price because as an operator, as soon as a piece of glassware comes into your bar, it's broken. That's just the way it is. It doesn't yes. exist anymore. No, it is gone. As soon as it's taken out of that out of the cardboard and put on the shelf, it no longer exists in my world. It is going to be broken shortly, long term. It could last for years. It could last for five seconds, but it is broken. And so 
anything that is <laughs> inexpensive and beautiful, I'm always down. And then I've got a, always got a whole bunch of vintage like crystal wear and stuff on my barter. The the big stemmed one right here over my uh, left oh, shoulder yes, yes. is uh, it just holds my pins. Yeah. So all my all my little pins that I've got over the years at shows and stuff. As you can see, I, I keep a lot of my paraphernalia. So I've got my hats and lanyards and pins and all different kinds of stuff that I keep in the sort of the the medals of honor of all my travels and the shows the conferences the events all that sort of stuff so I try I keep I I hold that stuff well when they I, build I a museum to Sean Sewell they're, they're going to need all these things aren't they that's you in the middle of Victoria with all my lanyards <laughs> and all my all my conference passes around a big brass statue with all my lanyards and conference passes around my, around like my world federation of wrestling or whatever <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's the way i look at it is like on my deathbed i want them hanging above my deathbed so i know i, I can see all the achievements that i've done well let's hope that's not for color. a long time drink oh, more no, drink more preservatives please <laughs> i've still got 50 years left to me I'll, I'll keep working till i'm about 80 i think i'll keep working until about 80 and some bartenders have some of the classics in New York City and Chicago and Denver, uh, I, I I remember being served by a guy who was 92. So you can yeah. keep doing it. I could definitely, I could definitely still be bartending here and there on uh, when I'm 92. Oh, definitely, I can see it right now. Although the expertise that's in there. Okay, right around you. Let's do the Victoria Circle. I mean, we know there's lots in the Okanagan. Who? We mentioned Sherringham's. We mentioned Victoria. Mm -hmm. Who else is out there right now doing stuff on the South Island? Oh, South Island's a tough one because you've got like Divine that's coming in from the ferry. So I'm trying to think of all the places you can sort of go to as you're coming in from the right. the Tawasan, uh, the yeah, the Tawasan ferry and Schwartz Bay. Uh, yeah. Schwartz, Schwartz Bay. You've got Divine, which make fantastic products. The whiskey's just cleaned up a whole bunch of awards. Um, Phillips um, Brewery has now got a distillery. They as well. do. So got, Glad yeah. you mentioned it. They've got the tasting room there, so you can go and taste. And they have a lot of stuff at the just the brewery tasting room that they don't release to the public. Cool. So they have a lot of bitters and specialty gins and stuff like that that they make just for the tasting room. So you have to really go down and, and check out some of their stuff because they release stuff only there, and the public can't buy it. They just use it behind the bar. So there's those sort of cool things that they kind of do down there. They do little, little tasting packs for the public, but you can really get big full bottles of the stuff. Oh, man, Vancouver Island is so spread out. Like you've got Tofino Distillery and Pacific Rim out in Euculet and Tofino. The, the, the Pacific Rim guys are just, they're crazy. Like they use wild yeast from, um, right. they use wild yeast, which means that their fermentation process takes about 10 times longer, longer. than the usual. Yeah. Just whenever the yeast is ready to eat up the sugars, it's good to go. Um, so their process is extremely complicated, but the product that they make is Unbelievable. They're they using seaweed wait. and spruce tips like the brewery they're, does? They've got some weird stuff. They forage a lot of stuff for their gin. Like yes. their, their house gin is pink because they use a whole bunch of different botanicals all um, around the sound there. Like mm. they, they forage a whole bunch. And then the yeast strain, they like scraped off leaves and stuff and actually propagated this yeast strain in their, in their lab. On the, on the file, you've got obviously Shelter Point and Campbell River, which you can't forget about. Waywood and Courtney, you've got them. They do fantastic honey spirits, which they were the forefront of honey spirits or somel, which is the technical word for it. Yes. You go to Nanaimo, you've got Arbutus, you've got Arbutus Distillery in Nanaimo who do 
epic liqueurs, fantastic liqueurs. Like they do a fantastic absinthe. And then you just keep sort of scrolling down. So you've got Merrydale in the Couch and Valley. You've got, you know, you've got um, Steelhead in Duncan. So you just, you can literally take a drive and go and visit 10 to 15 distilleries on the island from the ferry up to, up to Shelter Point. And it really is crazy. Shelter Point, the drive is up there is fantastic. I did that a couple of weeks ago. It's a beautiful drive. But the, the, the space out, I think, is going to be where we need to fill in a few gaps of where distilleries are located to get to the same sort of point that wine and brewery tourism's at. I think that's where we sort of fall down a little bit. There's a long drive between distilleries. So I'm, I'm hoping that we have a few more pop up here on the South Island just to give a nice little, like, nice little run, arc. I suppose. An arc. <laughs> yeah. how, about on the, nice arc. how about on the Gulf Islands? Anybody doing anything on the Gulf Islands? Well, Gulf Islands, you've got. Now you're really quizzing me right now. <laughs> um, you've got. Don't mean Hornby to put Island, you've got Hornby Island, you've got Frog, yes. um, which those guys are a little bit. A little bit hermits. You don't hear too much from them. No, and they've been around um, for about 15 years or more. They've been around for, yep, been around for ages. They make great spirits. Only sell a tasting room. Don't have an online store. Don't sell on the island. You've got Salt Spring Shine, which is another honey distillery. Um, fantastic couple, um, both in culinary arts. She's from Japan, so she brings a lot of uh, very interesting techniques to the the the, the style of spirits they make. But the gin is really good. Another honey. Honey is really hard to distill. Like, people think... Like, oh, it's honey, it's lots of sugar. No. Yeah, but it doesn't behave the same as, as grains. It doesn't behave the same as fruit. I learned that mostly not? from Tugwell Creek, just how difficult mm-hmm. to, uh, to make mead was. It just, it does, it, it only does it when it wants to do it. Yeah. And, and because there's so many probiotics in honey and there's so much natural stuff that actually stops fermentation process, you know, when they say, like, if you have your allergies, you eat honey from the right. same region and it's supposed to stop your allergies. Allergies and stuff have yeast on it and that sort of thing. And honey and yeast aren't supposed to work together. They're not supposed to be. And so these distilleries make a mead and then they have to distill it, which is really difficult. Um, the yields are great, but it's just so exorbitantly expensive. But yeah, Salt Spring Island's got a distillery. Hornby Island's got a distillery. Bowen Island. Um, I know that's not our Gulf Islands, but Bowen Islands is a fantastic distillery called Copper Spirit. They've done a great job up there doing a really nice touristy sort of vibe on uh, Bowen Island because it's just a jump over from West Van that's or right. North Van. But their distillery is gorgeous. They've done a beautiful, like go on the website, just check out the distillery. It is, it is sort of this sort of crazy post-apocalyptic like beautiful when humans figure out all their stuff and that's like sort of tranquil rock and steel and yes exactly (laughs) it's so beautiful out there but yeah like the distillery culture just here in the island is just it's i think it's second to none in comparison to like vancouver's got some fantastic stories as well so is okanagan but island is always the island and you know what's like people love craft spirits people love craft wine people love craft everything you know so we've got on the island here, we have two, yeah, two dedicated vermoutheries that just make vermouth. I didn't know that. So we have a Squamalt wine company who just makes vermouth. They make a Rosso, a Dry, and a Kina Rouge, which the Kina Rouge is the first one made since World War Two, I believe, in Canada. They like a Kakina is um, a Dubonnet style. So, yes. So um, they make a line of bitters. Uh, they got a few more things coming out, but yeah, like it's just they just make vermouth. They'll never do spirits. They just do vermouth. And then Beaufort up yes, in the Couch and Valley, they, they make a vermouth as well. Beaufort so has an interesting connection to Hollywood. Cameron. 
Yes, James so, James Cameron is is Beaufort. Uh, I remember yeah. um, when he purchased that, and uh, I don't know what his involvement is today, but uh, uh, maybe maybe you know more. They've done a great job. I, I don't know what his involvement is, but the, the, they've definitely taken from that time to rebrand, refocus, and sort of really line up where they want to be. And I think it's the daughter of the current owners um, decided to do a vermouth. And it's a very Bianco sort of style vermouth. So, yeah, we've got just in BC, we have three three dedicated vermoutheries. So okay. the third one is in the Okanagan. And, he, and Sean just makes drinking Spanish-style drinking vermouth which just doesn't even, like, register for a lot of people. No, no, no. In fact, this is a great way to conclude our discussion. Has the pandemic forced us or, or maybe created a period of delight where we've been able to explore more of cocktail culture? I think, yes, that's a definite, that's a big definite yes, because I think, uh, I think last year Campari outsold Aperol for the first time in a number of years. Because Aperol's been the everybody's favorite thing for a number of years, and it's out Campari outsold. We actually had a Campari shortage in February in Victoria because they didn't have any in the oh warehouse. Oh my God, we have a Campari shortage! <laughs> it's the second time. It's the second time I've experienced it in a decade. <laughs> so the first time was when Campari really got popular, and Negronis really got popular. Yes. We had a massive. It was 2015. The rep for Campari was driving up and down the island, buying up all the Campari from liquor stores. And bring it to Victoria because we couldn't get it in Victoria. Gosh, I remember so, the Campari shortage of 2015. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be regaling that to the kids one day. I will be regaling that to the kids one day. But um, no, I think I think with a lot of bartenders being furloughed and um, social media being so important, I know a number of bartenders who've done a really great job at putting themselves out on social media much, much more than they did before. And organizing Zoom uh, cocktail tutorials and virtual cocktail classes and stuff. I know, especially in on the, oh, here and on the East Coast, but I've, I know a lot of people who have been booked up solid every night of the week and they're doing a corporate event for 100 people and that sort of thing, which is remarkably cheaper for most corporate companies to be able to pull these off because yes. it's all virtual. Yes. Um, but I think on the flip side of that, I've, I've done a couple myself, and on the flip side of that, a lot of people have just gone into cocktail making. Like a lot of people are into it. Like I've been exploring TikTok for the last couple of months and the amount of people that have bought cocktail shakers, booked cocktail books, started following me along to get new recipes and stuff um, is staggering. It is really, really staggering. And especially when cocktails and bartending aren't as big a portion of my life as they used to be, it's been very interesting that this sort of resurgence on people following. And I think... If anything, we're going to come out of this and our consumers are going to be very um, are much more educated, but they're also going to really, really love the classics much, much more. Whereas a Manhattan or a Negroni back in the day was for a select group of clientele. Now I think there's the benchmark has been raised and people are going to come out and try your Negronis. People are going to come out and try new things and, and, and that sort of thing. So And the old things, the Tom Collins, the side Exactly. Guys. Oh, Definitely. I get asked for the Tom Collins all the time. All the time. <laughs> but no, I think silver lining in all this is that when we do open back up i think our clientele are going to be wanting experiences and they're going to it's going to equalize and bring equilibrium back to the restaurant guest dynamic which has been very off for a number of years whichever way people want to take that they can but i think it's going to bring some equilibrium to that which is always a good thing because we're here to give you what we have to offer and you're coming to us to take what we have to offer. 
and the all for everybody sort of mentality has gone out the window because we've all had to shrink our menus and be very specific to our clientele and that sort of thing. So I think overall, I think silver line, like our consumers are going to be more educated. Bartenders are going to be ready to serve people and, They've done a ton of education and stuff. There's been a lot of free education for bartenders during all this, the pandemic. So we're going to have much more educated staff. I think it's going to be a win-win for absolutely everybody after this is all finished and over with. Well, it's been a win-win for us here today to be able to talk to Sean Sewell in Victoria. Thank you so much, Sean, for, for staying up. No, you're not staying up late. I'm staying up late. I'm not staying up late. <laughs> this is Hugh Cruzel, and the program is QOL. You know you can always listen to a podcast at, at your convenience 24-7. Just Google my name, Hugh Cruzel, and the word podcast. You'll find it on a variety of platforms ready and waiting for you. Bye for now, folks. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, sir.